Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Because Psalm 118 is the psalm for Palm Sunday. And as I read it here, you may at first wonder why this is the psalm for Palm Sunday. But there's a verse in this psalm that says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. And if you were to read that verse in the original Hebrew of that psalm, it would say, Hosanna. And so we know that Hosanna is the word that the crowds were shouting as they waved the palm branches as Jesus entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And they also said on Palm Sunday, the one that comes after that, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So this was the psalm that the people were singing as Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And so it is a good psalm for us to reflect on today. So let me read now from Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, We thank you for this psalm. We thank you for this Palm Sunday. We thank you that Jesus entered Jerusalem as king, that he was hailed as king now. We thank you that he reigns as king now forever over the whole earth. We pray now that as we reflect on this psalm together, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would sink these words deep into our hearts, 
that they would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now you can, now you can look at your palms. And let's, let's talk about these palms a minute, because as we look at the palms, you know, it might seem a little strange to you that we would take palm branches, that you would take palm branches and wave them on people. I don't know if you've ever done this before, of like people walk through the waving palm branches. It, it seems a little weird, but actually it's not that weird. Like this is what they did back then to praise people, to celebrate great victors, great kings, great leaders. They would wave the palm branches as they came in. And truthfully, we still do a lot of the same kinds of things today. We don't necessarily use palm branches, but when we have our Olympics uh, every four years, they're often crowned with laurels. It's really the same idea. When we have, uh, I think I mentioned this before, but I don't see them as much anymore, but we have ticker tape parades for great heroes that would go down Broadway in New York City and they would shoot streamers out over them. It's the same, the same kind of thing that we do. We love a hero. We love to praise a hero. And this has been true for all of human history. Everybody's looking for a hero. Everybody's looking for the one who can win. And so when the crowds hailed Jesus with the palm branches on Palm Sunday, they were looking for a hero. They were looking for a king. They, were, they needed a king. When they shouted out Hosanna, which means save us, when they said save us, they meant it very, very literally. They were a nation that was oppressed. There were Roman soldiers. and killed people when they felt like it. They wanted Jesus to come and save them, to kick out those Romans, to be the king. It's still what we want. But when we look at the psalm that they were singing, we see not the king that they wanted, but we see the king that they needed. And we see the king that we need as well. Because if you look in that psalm, if you look at verses 8 and 9, it reminds us, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. See, our big problem is that we tend to put our trust in people, in human leaders, in human heroes. And instead, this psalm and this morning, God is calling each one of us to put our trust in him instead to trust him and his ways of doing things. Because the point of these palm branches is not actually to hail a hero. The point of these palm branches is to celebrate the steadfast love of God. Because what is actually the repeated theme of Psalm 118, even though it has that word save us, that word Hosanna, the words that are repeated over and over and over again are his steadfast love endures forever. That is the point of that psalm. That is the point of those words that are repeated. His steadfast love endures forever. What is the steadfast love of God that endures? This is his covenant. This is the covenant that God made with Abraham. This is the covenant that he reaffirmed with, with Moses, with David, with his people. This is his covenant love that he will not let his people go. That is what our hope is in. And ultimately on Palm Sunday, as the crowds hailed Jesus, 
many of them thinking that he might be a human king to overthrow the Romans, as they sang this psalm, they were putting their trust in God and his covenant promises. The main thing we need to remember about this morning is that God keeps his covenant promises. And so we look to him for our salvation, not to any human leader. All right, so you've been thinking about these palm branches. Now I'm going to need you to do something with them. If the main word here is his steadfast love endures forever, whenever I say that and point it to you, if I just say it, it's okay. I got a point too, because I might say it a few other times. But if I say it and point at you, then you need to raise up your palm branches and say, Hosanna, Jesus save us. Can we do that? His steadfast love endures forever. Hosanna, Jesus save us. All right, very good. We'll say that a couple times throughout. So we know that God keeps his covenant promises. What does that mean for us? What does it mean for us to trust in him for our salvation over our own ideas? We see here three ways that he has defined the trust in his promises. First, three ways that we look to him. We look to him for victory. We look to him for righteousness. And we look to him for sacrifice. And in each of these, they look different than what we would expect. Victory, righteousness, and sacrifice. First, for victory. We see this in the psalm in verses 10 to 16. In the psalm, they seem to be remembering a time that the singer, uh, perhaps each individual singer, perhaps the king of Israel in battle, had been attacked by all the nations. That's what verse 10 says. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. This psalm celebrates victory. But if you look at it, you'll see that it does not celebrate human victory. It celebrates God's victory. It was in the name of the Lord I cut them off. I was pushed, verse 13, I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. Verse 14, the Lord is my strength and my song. Verse 16, the right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. This psalm calls us to look for victory in God's ways. And so when Jesus entered entered, uh, Jerusalem, Just five days later, instead of taking his sword and knocking down the Roman armies and leading an uprising to take control of their land, he was enthroned on the cross. Because this is God's way of victory. That Jesus' victory would come through suffering. Jesus' victory would come through the cross in a way that nobody could expect. Because if he were to be a human king to defeat defeat the Romans, it would have been temporary. It would have been to raise up another flawed kingdom. But by going to the cross, he looked beyond the Roman oppression, beyond the evil of the moment, and took down Satan himself. He took that victory over the ultimate evil, the one who brings about sin and selfishness, the root of all evil that we see in the world. And so this, teach, this shows us that our victory comes not in the way that we would expect, not in a way that anybody would even think possible, but only through God's ways. That can be so hard for us to remember sometimes because all we see is the world right in front of us. One of my sons was telling me recently that at his school, that cheating is simply routine. That routinely, other students are looking at their phones during tests. And kind of like, 
Everybody knows it's happening, but nobody can catch them because they're really good. So you, you kind of know it's happening, and it's frustrating because it makes the tests unfair, especially tests that are graded on a curve. And we see lots of other things like this in life too, we, even once you're an adult. When you're not talking about cheating on tests, we still see that feeling of like, well, everybody else is cheating on their taxes. Maybe I need to do that too. Everybody else is embellishing their resume. Maybe I need to polish mine up a little bit, put some things on there that aren't really there. Everybody else is taking shortcuts at work. So if I don't take the shortcut myself, I'm going to look bad. And those voices get very, very powerful in our heads. The King Jesus who comes to victory tells us that God's ways still work. That we must seek to follow God's ways. We must seek to obey Him in righteousness. And we seek victory. Yes, we should seek victory. We should seek victory in our individual lives to, to do, be successful, to do good things. We should seek good laws in our political life. We should seek just outcomes in our political life, in our life as a nation. But first and foremost, we must do it in God's ways, by righteousness and obedience to his commandments. Why? Because his steadfast love endures forever. Hosanna, Jesus save us. So how do we get that righteousness? If we're going to seek victory in righteousness, we see also here that God redefined righteousness for us. See, righteousness is a big theme in the psalm. Verse 19, open to me the gates of righteousness that I might enter through them. Verse 20, this is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. But what do you think of when you think of righteousness? When I say do the right thing, there's another R word that you probably think of most. What's the other R word that goes with righteousness? Religion would be good. That's not the one I'm thinking of, though. The other R word, if we're going to do the right things, we usually think of rules, right? We think of a lot of rules. And at Jesus' time, Jesus, the people around him, the religious, there's the other R, the religious leaders at the time, they had a lot of rules. They had a lot of rules. And what did Jesus think about all their rules? He didn't, he didn't think much of all their rules. Because he told them that in all their long list of rules, they had lost the heart of the law. They had lost the idea of a heart that loves God more than any other. A heart that truly loves other people. And instead, we're just trying to follow the laws. And you see, a lot of times, we're not di that different than those religious leaders. We see bad things happen. We see tragedy happen. And we think, what rules can we put in place? And so we get our lists of rules, whether you're at school with a list of rules, whether you're in workplace with an ever-growing policy binder, the policies that you have to keep, whether I were to bring out the United States Civil Code and stack it up from floor to ceiling with all the laws that we have on the books to try to make things happen the right way. And now this is not to say, the Bible is clear that the law fundamentally is good. And human rulers making laws for righteousness and justice is good too. And laws restrain evil, and that is good. But Jesus clearly taught that the heart of the law was the important thing. And he told all these religious leaders, no, righteousness means having a changed heart. 
How do we get that changed heart, though? See, this is the glory of redefined righteousness. When Jesus, when we think about rules, we think about what can I think of for rules? What human ideas can I come with? How can I make myself do the right thing? When we trust in, when we look to Jesus for our righteousness, then we see something entirely different. And we see that instead of the righteous, of us being righteous and entering the gates, it was the righteous king entering the gates. That when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, he was righteousness himself. For he had brought the righteousness of God down to earth and lived it out in perfect form as a man who perfectly loved God and loved others. And then as he went to his death on the cross and he rose from the dead, he took that righteousness and he exchanged it with us. And he took our sinful lives on himself, put them to death, and gave us his righteous life to all who put their faith in him. How do we get that righteous life? We get it by putting our faith in Jesus. We receive it and live it out by the power of the Holy Spirit, changing our lives to be more and more like his. So when we look at Jesus, when we look at the king who enters, the faithful promise of God, the covenant promise of God is not, oh, here's an example of how to keep all the rules. The covenant promise of God is that the righteous Jesus has come to give his righteousness to us. We have a righteous king who entered into Jerusalem, not as a far off example, not as a human conqueror, but as one who would give us his very own righteousness, that we could walk in his footsteps in reality and in power, that we could see the example and actually be changed to be like it, that we could take his righteousness for ourselves and be changed from the inside out. So we see his righteousness, we trust in his righteousness because his steadfast love endures forever. Hosanna, Jesus save us. So we, see, we trust in his victory, we trust in him for righteousness, we trust in him for sacrifice. Fascinating verse at the end of this Psalm. Verse 27, bind the festal sacrifice with cords, up to the horns of the altar. For this in the psalm was the sacrifice of victory, coming to celebrate the victory, going up into the temple, taking the lamb, the goat, the bull, whatever it was they were taking for their offering, up to the altar to celebrate the victory, to give thanks to God for helping them. But what we see as they sing this psalm for Jesus is that Jesus himself entering into Jerusalem was that festal sacrifice. The sacrifice not of a lamb, not of a goat, but of the perfect son of God. That the king who was to be celebrated as king came to be himself the sacrifice. That only through his suffering, only through his sacrifice could this be made. Bound not with cords on the altar, but bound with nails on the cross. That he would be the sacrifice for our sins. And the idea of a king who would sacrifice himself, that that would be the way that this would happen, is such a radical idea. That's not what kings do. Kings lead, kings win, they don't die. And yet, this was such a powerful event in all of human history that we can see throughout all of our literature since that the king who sacrifices becomes the theme. Whether we're talking about Narnia and the sacrifice of Aslan the lion, the great king who sacrifices himself. Whether we're talking about the Lord of the Rings 
and Frodo taking the ring into the midst of the darkness, potentially sacrificing his own life that evil itself might be destroyed. Whether we're talking about Harry Potter, fighting the fight all throughout, trying to learn the spells and do this and that, and yet in the end learning that the answer is that he must sacrifice himself. This is what God has done. This is what God has put into our hearts now, that the way to the restoration of humanity was only through the sacrifice of the king. And so Jesus himself became the festal sacrifice. And so if we are to trust in his ways, we must trust that sacrifice is the way, that that sacrifice is what powers our righteousness. That sacrifice is what powers our victory. And so that sacrifice is what we take hold of in worship. And so in a minute, as we come to the Lord's table, we will take hold of that sacrifice for ourselves. We will take that sacrifice into ourselves and be filled with His righteousness that we may walk before Him with changed hearts, that we may then walk out to victory following our King Jesus in His way. That is the hope of Palm Sunday. God has kept His covenant. God has kept His promises. He always does. And we can trust in Him for our salvation in His ways. So, His steadfast love endures forever. Hosanna! Jesus, save us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Word as it speaks to us. We thank You that You love us. We thank You that You keep Your covenant promises. We pray that you would show us more and more what it means to take your promises, to take Jesus' very life into ourselves by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.